aspice Deus et respice in faciam Christi tui. Behold, O God, and look on the face of thy Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The liturgy of the Church gives us that every hour, that every moment of life, precisely what God intends us to hear and to have. This is the liturgical providence of God. And so we open not only our eyes and our ears to the texts of today's Mass of the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, we open our hearts. The Church, our Mother and the Bride of Christ, seems, certain hours of history, and at the present hour, to be a very frail bark tossed on an ocean of filth. This could, if we look at it with a merely human perspective, cast us all into despair. But we by baptism have refused, have rather been infused with the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, have the means by which to look at all such things supernaturally, supernaturally. And this supernatural way of looking at the events of history, and indeed at the Church today, is illumined by the liturgical providence of God in today's Mass. We began the Mass in the intro with this heartfelt appeal to God the Father. And what did we sing? Behold, O God, our protector. God the Father is the one who builds a roof over us to protect us. That's the meaning of the word protector. Behold, O God, our protector, and look, we said, look. We said not only aspice, to look, but respice, which is to, to gaze upon, to hold in one's vision. What? The face of thy Christ. This, dear sons, dear friends, is the perfect prayer for every hour of life, for every moment in history. Father, 
Look on the face of thy Christ. It was St. John Paul II who coined the extraordinary little phrase, the Eucharistic face of Christ. This Eucharistic face of Christ is raised from every altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, allowing the whole Church to cry out with a single voice, Father, look, behold, the face of thy Christ. And not only during the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, but the Sacred Host, reserved in the Tabernacle, or exposed in the monstrance is the Eucharistic face of Christ. We, who gaze upon that Eucharistic face, have this prayer to repeat over and over again to the Father, as some of you do, I know, on your beads during Eucharistic adoration. Father, behold the face of thy Christ. In the intro it had us go on to say, For better is one day in thy courts above thousands. No matter what happens in the course of history, no matter the darkness that seems to prevail in the church, one who abides close to a tabernacle, is always able to say, better is one day in thy courts above thousands. And to say again with the psalmist, how lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth and fainteth for the courts of the Lord. You see, the intro of today's Mass gives us the supernatural perspective. And from the face of Christ radiates truth, but not a truth that blinds, nor a truth that crushes, but a truth that is all goodness and beauty and, yes, consolation. Consolation. The collect the collect could have been composed for today, for today. Keep, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with perpetual peace. And because the frailty of man, we know all about that, don't we? And because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall. There you have the realism of the Roman rite. Because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall. We are all frail. Keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful. The Latin uses a word that can also mean toxic or poisonous. Keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful. And we ask to be led to the salutaria, 
to the things that make for our spiritual health and for the health of the whole body of Christ, the Church. This is the perfect prayer for today. And then we come to the epistle. It's a good thing we were sitting down for it. Because the epistle describes exactly the state of affairs. Brethren, says the apostle, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The apostle is describing a state of war. But the war is inside each of us. But no illusions about that. For these are contrary one to another, so that you do not the things that you would. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And what a catalogue of the works of the flesh the Apostle gives us. And it's a catalogue that is extraordinarily up-to-date. What is the inventory? Fornication, uncleanness, immodesty, luxury, idolatry, witchcrafts, enmities, contentions, emulations, wraths, quarrels, dissensions, sects, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. The Apostle speaks a word of warning. It's very sobering. Of the which I foretell you, I foretell you, says the Apostle, as I have foretold to you, that they who do such things shall not obtain the kingdom of God. The same phrase will recur in the Gospel. But then the Apostle gives us another catalogue with a beautiful inventory. But the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, goodness, longanimity, mildness, faith, modesty, continency, and chastity. We are often fascinated by what is evil and ugly. Have you never noticed that? We tend sometimes to focus on what is evil and ugly. Here the Apostle would have us focus on what is good and beautiful. When I was a novice many years ago, my Father Master shared with me one of his little practices. Every monk has little secret practices, little acts throughout the day by which one seeks to abide in communion with our Lord. And my Father Master told me one day that when tempted to focus on all that is wrong and negative and ugly and evil, 
His remedy was to repeat St. Paul's catalogue of the fruits of the Holy Ghost to himself. And he would say to himself, Self, the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, goodness, longanimity, mildness, faith, modesty, continency, and chastity. And so often as he was tempted to look at things dark and unseemly and disheartening and ugly, things that pull one down, he would instead look at the fruits of the Holy Ghost and glorify the Father through the Son for having produced these fruits in all the saints. This is a little practice that I recommend to all of you. It was a very good thing when children were obliged at catechism to learn by heart the twelve fruits of the Holy Ghost. And the gradual gives us words of, of hope. It is good to confide in the Lord, meaning to trust the Lord. Our Lord said it on the night before he suffered. Trust in God, trust in me. And what has been the message of our Lord in recent decades, notably in the last century, if not an appeal for our trust? I think of St. Faustina and the little prayer given her, Jesu Fantobie, Jesus, I trust in thee. I think of Mother Yvonne May and her miraculous little invocation, O oh, Jesus, King of Love, there he is. I put my trust in thy merciful goodness. It is good to trust in the Lord rather than to have confidence in man. And then, it is good to trust in the Lord rather than to trust in princes. Princes, even princes of the church. It is good to trust in the Lord rather than to trust in the clergy. Very often the terrible disappointment and shock of the faithful come from a want of confidence in our Lord. The gradual says, it is good to trust in the Lord rather than to trust in princes. And the verse of the Alleluia sets all things right by inviting us, by summoning us to a jubilant expression of worship. Come, let us praise the Lord with joy. Yes, even today, even in the hour of darkness. Come, let us praise the Lord with joy. Let us joyfully sing to God our Saviour. The devil always seeks to silence the voice of praise in the church. The devil's tactics aren't new. They never change. He seeks always to silence the voice of praise in the church, and so to cast souls into sadness and from sadness into despair. 
whenever totalitarian governments prevail, godless totalitarian governments, what do they seek to do by a kind of diabolical inspiration? To silence the praise of God by closing all the monasteries. Henry VIII did it in this island. This is always the work of the evil one, to incite us to stop praising God. Some weeks ago, I spoke with a, a very old, venerable, experienced exorcist who works on the continent in another country, and he told me that the most effective little prayer of exorcism that he found in his long years of uh, practice, caring for souls, was simply the last verse of the last psalm. There were 150 psalms. The last verse of Psalm 150 is, Let every spirit praise the Lord. Omnis spirit laudet domin. Let every spirit praise the Lord. And this, this wise old father, a Dominican, said to me that he found this little verse, the last verse of the last psalm, uh, to be marvelously effective. He said when he praised that verse, let every spirit praise the Lord, he said the demons scatter like rats. Why? Because they were created for the praise of God. That was God's plan for them, to praise him eternally. And when they are reminded of that from which they have fallen, he said, they scatter like rats. Whereas the angels become jubilant and rejoice and break into hymns of praise that cleanse the atmosphere. Praise purifies. Praise purifies. For this reason, we monks are charged in the church with the uninterrupted praise of God. In, in this sense, uh, a monastery uh, contributes to the spiritual ecology of the whole church uh, by keeping the climate pure, and this by persevering in praise. The offertory antiphon coming after the gospel. The gospel gives us our words, Lord, seek ye therefore first the kingdom of God. Focus on heaven and his justice. All that is right and good and beautiful and true and magnificent about God, the holiness of God. And all these things, all these other concerns shall be taken care of. Again, we're invited, no, called, compelled to adjust our vision. And the offertory gives us these words of great comfort. The angel of the Lord shall encamp round about them that fear him. Fear, meaning here, that worship God with the utmost reverence and awe. Sanctus, 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 and shall deliver them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is sweet. This is what we sing at the offertory of the Mass. 
to prepare us for Holy Communion. At the offertory, while the host is placed on the corporal, while the chalice of wine mixed with a drop of water is placed there on the corporal, the church is already singing, O taste and see that the Lord is sweet, to prepare us for Holy Communion. And during Holy Communion, the Church in her wisdom repeats our Lord's words over and over again, his very words from the Gospel. The Church often does this as part of her liturgical pedagogy. A fragment of the Gospel is repeated at the moment of Holy Communion. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you, saith the Lord. This is extraordinary, that today, as you come forward to receive the adorable body of Christ, he will speak to each one of you, saying, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you. With such a promise, we cannot begin to gloom. With such a promise, our joy is renewed. With such a promise, we can fill this place and beyond this place with the sound of the praise of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.